This is Dina Weiss on Parashat Tetzaveh, Remembering Moshe. Parashat Tetzaveh is notable not only for what it contains, but also for what it lacks. From the point of Moshe's birth in the second chapter of Shemot, throughout the entire journey in the wilderness, Moshe's name appears in every single Torah portion, except for this week's Parashat Tetzaveh. Where did Moshe go? Why is his name absent from this section of the Torah? According to the medieval commentary of Rabbi Yitzchak ben Yehuda Halevi, Moshe's name is absent from this parasha because it deals exclusively with laws related to the priesthood, and these laws are not relevant to him. Tema, Lama lo nizkar Moshe b'chol e'la ha-parashiot? V'yesh lomar mi'chevan she'elav haitar u'yachuna v'nitla he'menu? Why wasn't Moshe named in these sections? It can be said that since Moshe should have received the priesthood, but it was taken from him, since he said, at the burning bush, send who you will, and the priesthood was given to Aharon. That is why Moshe's name is not mentioned regarding anything related to the priests. The Vilna Gon, on the other hand, attributes the absence of Moshe's name here not to the content of the parasha, but rather to the timing of its reading. He notices that parasha Tetzaveh is almost always read adjacent to the date of Zion Adar, the seventh of Adar, which is the anniversary of Moshe's death, his Yortzeit. Moshe's absence from this parasha is an indication that there will come a time when Moshe himself will be absent from the lives of the Jewish people. The absence of Moshe's name in the parasha subtly hints to, and perhaps even prepares the reader for, the reality of Moshe's departure. The absence of Moshe here reminds the reader of how central Moshe is to the Torah's narratives and its laws. So much of the Torah is a record of how Moshe struggled with us, loved us, and suffered for us. And like the Torah itself, Moshe's character rewards rereading. In keeping with the Vilna Gon's interpretation, perhaps Moshe's absence in this parasha is a call to us, his students, to bring up his name. Perhaps we are being invited to note Moshe's death and to eulogize him, when we read this parasha, which appears so close to the anniversary of Moshe's death. Rabbi Yitzchak ben Yehuda Halevi explained that Moshe vanished from this parasha because he was banished from the priesthood. Perhaps this change in Moshe's role can give us some insight into who Moshe is. His no longer priestly status, which Rabbi Halevi framed as a punishment, might also be seen in a positive light when we look at the way that Moshe handles this demotion. Less significant than the fact that the role of priest was taken from Moshe is the fact that Moshe graciously accepts this change. The partial transfer of leadership from Moshe to Aharon is not only what makes Aharon great, it is also what makes Moshe great. Moshe couldn't shoulder the burden of leadership alone, and he doesn't insist on doing so. Moshe is absent from the parasha because Moshe's willingness to be absent 
is what makes him worth remembering. When we look more closely at the aforementioned scene at the burning bush, Moshe's grace is striking. God first speaks to Moshe and appoints him redeemer of the Jewish people. When Moshe is hesitant about going and resists this task, God tells Moshe that he will not be going to Egypt alone, that Aharon will be speaking on his behalf. Moshe is no longer the sole redeemer and will have to share the glory with his brother. When God delivers this decision, God is angry and his tone borders on sarcasm. God was furious with Moshe and he said, Isn't Aharon the Levi your brother? Don't I know that he can surely speak? And now he is coming out to greet you, and his heart will be glad upon seeing you. Yet, Moshe doesn't respond to God's anger with defensiveness. In fact, he doesn't respond at all. Aharon's help is something that Moshe is grateful to receive. His response to God's telling him that he will be sharing the spotlight and also sharing the credit is to go straight home and pack, to pick up his family and set off on his mission. It is the promise of Aharon's presence that gives Moshe the confidence to become a leader. Therefore, a parasha about Aharon's priestly garments, a parasha on which Aharon is the focus, is also a parasha about Moshe's leadership and true humility. Moshe doesn't feel the need to be the hero, and he is happy to receive guidance and support from his brother. He is happy to step aside and allow Aharon to take center stage, a willingness reflected by Moshe's anonymity, an almost total invisibility in this week's parasha. After the redemption from Egypt is complete, Moshe moves into the next stage of his leadership as the teacher and lawgiver to the newly independent Jewish people. Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, sees that Moshe is trying to judge the people on his own. Moshe has taken on too much in trying to resolve all disputes by himself and to dispense God's guidance to each petitioner individually. Yitro points out that neither Moshe nor the people will survive if Moshe is the sole adjudicator. Moshe's father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. 
let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So Moshe listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moshe, even at these first tentative moments of his leadership, does not respond to Yitro's critique with defensiveness. His only response to Yitro's suggestion is to heed it immediately, training judges and creating appellate courts. As Moshe continues to lead his people through their wilderness journey, we again see his willingness to step aside. In Bamidbar chapter 11, Moshe is overwhelmed by the demands of the people for meat. He crumbles under the pressure of their relentless complaints, begging God to kill him, since the burden of the people is too much for him to bear. God, of course, does not want to kill Moshe, and instead offers him the support of the elders. Again, Moshe is happy to receive the support and to distribute the gifts of leadership. Lo uchal anochi levadi laset et kol ha'amazeh ki chaved mimeni, v'im kacha ata oseli, hargeni naharog, im matati chen be'inecha, ve'al ar'eh bera'ati. V'yom ra'adonai al Moshe, asfali shiv'im ish mizikne Yisrael, asher yadata ki heim zikne ha'am v'shot rav, v'lakachta otam elohel mo'ed v'yitiatfu sham imach, v'yaradati v'dibarti imcha sham. ועצלתי מן הרוח אשר עליך, ושמתי עליהם, ונשאו איתך במסע העם, לא תישא אתה לבדך. משה said, I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery. So Hashem said to Moshe, Gather for me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and the officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people along with you, so that you will not bear it all by yourself. The language of this description that God will take from Moshe's spirit and give it to others, does not hide the fact that Moshe is losing some of his authority and power. Moshe has to make space for these other prophets by losing his status. And he does so without complaint. When his attendant Yehoshua notices that some of these prophets seem to be breaking away from Moshe and prophesying independently, he suggests that Moshe destroy them. Adoni Moshe Kilain. But Moshe has no intention of stopping them. Instead, he supports them. Vayomer lo Moshe, hamekane atali? Umi ten kol amadonai nevi'im, ki ten adonai trucho alehem. But Moshe said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of Hashem's people be prophets, and that Hashem would put his spirit on them? Moshe's lack of jealousy does not keep others from being jealous of him. His own siblings, Miriam and Aharon, speak ill of Moshe, criticizing him for a holier-than-thou attitude. Vayomru, Harak ach b'Moshe diber Adonai, halogan banu diber, vayishma Adonai. Vaish Moshe anav ma'od mikol ha'adam asher al p'nei ha'adama. 
And they said, Has Hashem spoken only to Moshe? Has he not spoken through us also? And Hashem heard it. Now the man Moshe was very humble, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth. The Torah's response to the complaints of Miriam and Aharon is to point to Moshe's humility. Humility is the central quality of Moshe, being willing to share the crown and the credit, being willing to work in the background. Moshe never begrudges them their role and their leadership, so they should not be resentful of his. God responds to this slight directly, saying, Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moshe? knowing that God has to be the one to defend Moshe's honor, for Moshe would not defend his own. When thinking about leaders or great people, we often focus on their unique qualities and significant accomplishments. The Torah's transparency around Moshe's inadequacy points to the fact that it is equally significant for a successful leader to know what they lack. How do they relate to their own inadequacy? Do they try to hide it or do they try to address it? Are they open to feedback and do they incorporate critique? Moshe is the kind of leader who is sensitive to his own limitations and willing to distribute power. Moshe wasn't always a perfect leader, but he was always a humble leader. He never let his own ego get in the way of his love for and responsibility to the Jewish people. One of the most touching moments of Moshe's tenure as our leader and guide is during the war with Amalek. Moshe is not a warrior himself, but he supported the troops through his prayer, raising his hands to heaven for the entire duration of the battle. When Moshe's arms grow tired, he takes a seat while his brother and nephew support him. Whenever Moshe held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moshe's hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aharon and Hor held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the sun set. Moshe helps the people win the battle with Amalek, not through the force of his own strength or an ability to miraculously keep his hands and staff raised. Moshe helps them win the battle by sitting down, and allowing others to support him. True, the focus of Parashat Tetzaveh is Aharon, his role in the Mishkan and the clothes that dignify his service. However, Moshe's silent presence here is a powerful testimony to who Moshe is. His core strength is his ability to step back. Aharon and people like him are Moshe's not-so-secret weapon, and the respect that Moshe shows to others his willingness to listen and to share power is the key to his success. When Moshe doesn't know how to speak, Aharon is there to speak for him. And when it is Aharon's time to shine, Moshe seeds the spotlight. Wishing you a Shabbat of honesty and humility. Shabbat Shalom.
Thank you for listening to our weekly Divrei Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.